welcome Nexus Church family online to our series in the book of Mark that's self-titled. In the series, we're exploring the life of Jesus and applying it to our personal lives. If you have more questions or if you would like to get a hold of us, go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the information on there as well as emailing nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook. But we'd love to connect with you and help you to connect to Jesus. Enjoy today's message. A welcome to today's message from our series in the book of Mark. Today's message is simply entitled Influence. Now, this interaction that we're going to read about in today's passage reveals some very interesting things about uh, three of the, what we've considered the inner circle of Jesus' life and ministry, that being the disciples of James, Peter, and John. The three that were really close to Jesus, that got to do some of the more special and intimate things with Jesus. But in this passage, it reveals to us that they still were trying to figure out this Jesus that they had been with for quite some time. We are now in the ninth chapter of the book of Mark, and there's not that many chapters in this book. And so we've We've had a lot of years that they've spent together now uh, learning from Jesus, seeing his powerful, uh, miraculous doings and workings and healings that he had done and the powerful teachings that he had along with it. And so today we come across this interaction Jesus had in front of them with two of the, what I like to call the powerhouses of the Old Testament, that being Elijah and Moses. And so today, we're going to ask the question, who has influence in our lives? Who is it that, that influences you? And who should that be? And so let's begin in Mark chapter 9. We'll begin in verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves to be alone. Jesus does this a lot, right? To have time where they could just process things, reflect, spend time with the Father, dwell on the things that maybe they've been doing and maybe what God has calling them to. But this was not an ordinary reflection time. He was transfigured in front of them. Now, I just want to take a pause there. Transfigured isn't a word that we use very often because it doesn't happen very often. Now, Warren Rearsby, a, a great commentator, explained that transfigured typically refers to a change from the inside out. That's not exactly what's happening here, but it is a sense where Jesus was, was, was transforming in front of them. It's the same word that is used in Romans 12, too, where Paul says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. So, so he was being transformed into a new image. Let's continue reading. And his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. 
Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say since they were terrified. A cloud appeared overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my beloved son, so listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept his word to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. Then they asked him, curious question, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus said, Elijah does come first and restores all things, he replied. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did whatever they pleased to him, just as it is written about him. So the synoptic gospels all reveal the same kind of story, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all say the same story about this account, that Jesus was transformed or transformed figured into a, a dazzling white, as white can possibly be, appearance. Now, as we read, this severely concerned them. In fact, I, I like how Luke's account puts it in verses 31 and 32. I want to read this quickly for you. I thought it was funny as I was studying in verse 31, we repeat, we read, they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which was about to be accomplished in Jerusalem. And so Jesus is having this interaction with Elijah and Moses right in front of the three amigos. And he's talking to him about what is about to come, about the resurrection, about his sacrifice, his, his being brutally taken advantage of and, and mocked in and all sorts of horrible things we can't even fathom, and that he would rise from the dead. And here they are watching this. And, and honestly, I mean, you think about this, this potentially was the first time that Moses and Elijah got the fullness of what they had been proclaiming way back in the Old Testament. Right, hundreds of years before, they were preparing people for what was to come. Right, so we have the the two great uh, Old Testament characters: one representing the law that was Moses, and then one representing the greatness of the prophets, and that was Elijah. The great two powerhouses of the Old Testament, and Jesus was having conversation with them right in front of. Mark, James, and John. And then listen to this. As he was sitting there and, and listening, Peter and those with him were in deep sleep. They were overwhelmed. They were so overwhelmed that somehow or another, they passed out and were asleep. And when they had become fully awake, they saw his glory, and the two men were, were standing with him. And then when they finally came to themselves, and they saw the men, and they were just overwhelmed with all of this amazing things that were happening, 
what was the response that Peter had? Let me build this, this temple or this, this tabernacle or this shelter. Right? What, what did that represent? In the Old Testament, that represented a place for their glory to dwell. Think about this. Peter understandably responded. He wanted to do something. And of course, we, we know that these were great men of the Old Testament, which were highly esteemed by anybody in Jewish heritage. And so they, they responded with all that they knew, and that was to build a place for the glory to dwell. But unfortunately, Peter had some misplaced influence in his life. Though those two men were greatly esteemed men, they're nothing compared to Jesus' glory. There, there is no man who should be honored in the way that Jesus should be honored. And so Peter, Peter responded with the only way he knew, and, and that was to build this place for their glory to dwell, this tabernacle, this shelter for them to dwell. And Jesus, he gets rightly put back on the throne. When the Father said, much like he said on the day that John the Baptist baptized Jesus and he came out of the water and the Father looked down and he said, this is my beloved Son. And in the follow-up, in this instance, he tells to those three disciples, Listen to him. Listen to him, Peter. What he's telling you is directly from me. Can you imagine what Peter must have been experiencing in that moment? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I'm sitting here in, in these dazzling clothes that, that are in front of me, like so much so that I can't even look at them. And then I pass out, and I come back too, and they're talking about all this stuff, and, and I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm in the presence of God, and I just, I just feel the urge to do something. And then the Father proclaims, don't give any honor to anyone but my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Now, we don't fully understand why Elijah and Moses truly came to be with Jesus in this instance. We don't fully know whether or not this was the reason why Jesus allowed those three amigos to come with him. But I believe that there was a point to this interaction. And it was to show to those three close-knit men that Jesus is to stand alone. Only he is to be glorified, and only he should influence our lives. And so today, maybe you're asking, how does this crazy, wild story in the book of Mark, and, and it also appears in Matthew and Luke, how does that apply to, to my life today? Well, let me answer that with another question. Uh, let me ask, who has authority in your life? Who has influence in your life? Process that. Now, again, 
I want to retrace those steps. In, in their story today, there's, there's total understanding that Elijah and Moses had great influence on the disciples' lives. There, there's, there's no doubt, and it should. If you read the accounts of Moses and Elijah, they both did some powerful things for God. They represented God to the nation of Israel. They lived a good life that represented what it should be like for us to follow God. They were human, yes, but they were definitely obedient and loved God and served Him. In fact, Jesus himself on the way down from the mountain clarified that, that these men were greatly important to God's plan, right? He was telling the disciples as they were going down that Elijah did come and Elijah did prepare a way. He had influence and he is to be esteemed, but not to the level of Jesus. You see, no one or nothing must be elevated above Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Now, this doesn't mean, like the disciples, that you don't have influencers in your life, right? We all have people that we can look to at some point in our life that, that had an amazing impact on us. I'm sure there's many that didn't have a good influence on you either that you can remember, but, but we're really focusing on those people that had an amazing influence and that we look back to and we esteem and we're thankful for, and we must honor them and respect them and definitely hold them in a place of honor in our hearts, in our minds, in our memories. But let me tell you something that I believe is maybe... <laughs> If you only get one thing out of this passage or this, this time together today, I want you to get this. Every great influencer has one job to do. John the Baptist got this. It's to point people to Jesus. That is when you know you've succeeded at being an influencer. You've pointed people to Jesus and to growing like Jesus. That is success. That is what a great influencer does. And our job, ultimately, is to not put them above Jesus, but to submit to Jesus through His influence. And so I want to ask you one more time today, what are you allowing to influence your life? What are you propping above Jesus? Is it a, a new source where you get your information from? Are you listening to that and letting it influence you more than Jesus? Of course, that, that, that influence from Jesus comes from two primary sources. That is from reading His Word, that is the Bible, spending time to Him in prayer and conversation. Of course, we can be influenced by church attendance as well, but that direct source from Him comes from His Word, the Bible, and from time in prayer and listening to what He has to say to you. Are you spending more time getting your 
influence from news sources, your information, your time, your influence coming from them? Is it coming from social media? Is it coming from a particular author? Is it coming from a college professor, a journal, commentators, pastors, parents? These individuals in, in these areas where you can get influence can help you grow but they must not be elevated above Jesus. Listen to him. He is the source for all your truth. And so I encourage you to spend some time reflecting on this today. Reflect on who or what you are allowing to influence you. Because, friends, here's the deal. Jesus said it best in Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Wherever you are spending your time, that's where your heart is. What you're allowing to be influencing your heart, your mind, is truly where your treasure is, and that's what's influencing you. And so today, Father, I just pray for every person listening to this message. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would start working inside of their heart, challenging them. What are you spending time on? What are you allowing to, to have the greatest information inflow into your life? Reflect on that and allow the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit to guide you into the direction that you should go. Father, I pray that you would encourage them in that process today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today, Nexus Church Family Online, and we'll see you again real soon.